Welcome to the Vagistine Podcast, and it's Vanessa here. You know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And today is a listener and supporter episode where folks sent in their stories. So if you're new to the podcast, um, every once in a while, um, every I would say every couple of months, we pick a topic and um, I have you all send in your sound clips and discuss <laughs> discuss your stories and discuss your insights because one of the reasons why I created Vagisteam and this podcast was so that we can hear each other, so that we can definitely share stories and so that we can continue having courageous conversations with each other. And that's the whole basis and the whole premise of the podcast, having courageous conversations. So I think it's important for folks to know, like I say at all of my Vagisteam workshops, I'm not the only expert in the room. We all come with our own experiences. We all come with our own backgrounds and ways of seeing things. And I love bringing that into the space. So this month, uh, it is Haitian Heritage Month. And if you heard past episodes, if you've heard episodes from the very beginning, we were talking about how our vaginas were called (laughs) growing up. And mine was called Bubun. And up to last year's episode during the month of May, during Haitian Heritage Month, where we had folks um, share their growing up Haitian stories. So this year, um, uh, we had some amazing stories and insights around healthy relationships um, and growing up Haitian and Haitian American love. What did we have to learn and unlearn? And... A lot of people sent in their stories, so this might have to be a two-part episode, but I'm really excited and I'm really thankful for everyone who sent in their stories and um, just shared some insights. So whenever I think, why I think this topic is super important, and it's of course important to me because being Haitian is a huge, huge, huge part of my identity. I don't think I go anywhere without identifying myself um, as a child of Haitian immigrants, as a child who had their Haitian aunts growing up, as a child who's been going to Haiti since I've been a baby. So it's a very huge part of my identity. But within that, and thinking through growing up in a Haitian household in the United States with immigrant parents, and thinking through my American experience, I'm always kind of interested. And I think it's, I think it's natural for any child of immigrants or any um, identity where you have a couple of things at play between what's happening in your home and what's happening in larger society and how those two things come together. And so I think over the last year, and I think, yeah, the last year, year and a half, of course, I think about these things every day, but in relation to some of the stories that we're going to share today and just some of where my insights have been, (laughs) over the last year or two, my mother has, I've invited my mother more into my work. So typically I don't, the reason why I'm so interested in this is because for folks who identify, like I identify 
we don't really have the spaces or have the spaces to really talk openly about sex and sexuality and I'm always still I'm still exploring what does it mean to be Haitian to LGBTQ? I'm, I'm, I want to have more of those conversations. What does it mean to be Haitian and trans? Like what? So there's just so many layers, um, of identities. And I started inviting my mother more and more into my work. Um, I just felt like it was important to me and I just wanted my mom to see more of what I did. And, one of the workshops I invited my mother to, and this was the first time I just told her like, Hey mommy, I have a workshop. You know, do you want to come along? You know, it was, it was about three hours away from Baltimore. So she said, yeah, sure. And we, you know, kind of made a day out of it. And I'm being very mindful of just, you know, spending, like I said, like we've been talking about spending more time with family, being intentional, being mindful, doing a lot of self-care. And so for me, that also means like spending time in the present, uh, when, when the folks that we love are alive. So just thinking through, so I didn't invite my mom and the topic was about how to talk to your kids about sex. And my mother was right in the front row and she was like, Vane, yes. Okay. Vane. Okay. What do you need? So she's helping and she's trying to like help me set up the room. And, you know, all these parents are coming in and everybody, you know, different backgrounds. And um, <laughs> the room was packed. I would say that there were about 40 parents in the room and it was a three hour training. And we did everything from, you know, what are our biggest fears and hopes when it comes to our child's sexuality? What does your child need to know when? And we practice. How do you have the conversation? And my mother was just quiet, just observing. She was taking it in. She was looking at all the brochures. She was an active participant. And at the end, when we got back in the car, she was like, Vane, I did what I could. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know. And she was like, there was just so many things that I didn't, you know, know about. And we were just having just in that moment, it felt surreal. Cause I was like, Oh my God, are we really having it? And she was like, I just, you know, I told you some of those things. And, you know, my mother was very big about teaching my sister and I about, um, don't let people touch your bodies. Don't let men touch your body. And the best one yet, which I think just, I think relates to the immigrant child experience in America. My mother, uh, always gravitated towards Oprah. I mean, I feel like every immigrant tends to to flock to the news because they want to know what's going on like they want to know what's happening in the day-to-day they want to know what things affect them etc but for some reason my mother oprah was her person oprah was her jam oprah was everything and of course on oprah's show oprah shares a lot about her experience um being molested her experience growing up pregnancy, etc. And so my mother just had us on the Oprah speech track no matter what. It was like, well, if Oprah if Oprah has it, then it can happen to you. And so it's like, okay, mommy, okay, I got it. All right. Like so we couldn't go to sleepovers, of course, because it was like, you know, somebody's uncle, somebody's dad, somebody's so and so there. We couldn't go over other people's houses. We couldn't, you know, do some activities because it was all through like the Oprah lens. Um, but it was interesting going back to that conversation that my mom and I were having afterwards, just about her insights around 
you know, stuff that she didn't know, um, stuff that she wished that she, you know, just learned more about um, as far as having conversations. But I think in that moment, she didn't think she would do anything differently. I think she knew, like, listen, as long as you ain't got nobody touching you, and you ain't got nobody touching those areas, boom, we're cool. And if they do touch you, you need to tell me, which was always her big thing, then fine. Whatever else, you should have common sense. I remember when after the after the Chris Brown and Rihanna incident happened, I really had a moment, really had a moment where I went back to my mom and because my sister and I are five years apart, my sister's, you know, at this point starting to date and she's out and... I asked my mom, I said, yo, why haven't you ever told us about healthy relationships? And she was like, what, 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 what? Just her annoyed voice. And I said, you never said, you never said like nobody should put their hands on you. You never said like people, a man shouldn't hit you in the face. Like you, like you never said any of that, any of that stuff. And at that moment, my mother was like, well, if you don't know somebody shouldn't put their hands on you, then... Then, then, then you're stupid. You're stupid. I can't, I can't teach you. And so I think, I think some of the dichotomy between growing a patient for me and having these conversations was around like, you need to have common sense. Is that common sense? No, it's not. Then you should not be engaging or you shouldn't be in that type of relationship and you shouldn't, et cetera. But, um, I think from some of the stories and some of the themes I heard from some of the stories, how am I supposed to know if I don't know? Like you never said anything. And if you're not explicit about it or if you're not helping me learn, it's not like we go to school and in my work right now, I'm so honored to be able to go into schools. I'm able to go into different communities and have different conversations, but I never, I never had a healthy relationships class growing up. And so you would think you would get it from home, but <laughs> but it just it didn't it didn't happen and i think it's it's that dichotomy of like common sense versus you know versus you know this is not how you should be treated so don't you know this etc um i think most recently i had a show on here about the first show i had here on here about healthy relationships and my mother's my Facebook friend. Both of my parents are my Facebook friends. And my father came here when he was um, 17. So my father, to me, is a little bit more understanding, a little bit more um, Americanized than my mom, who came here in her 20s. And my my dad didn't really have the talk either. It's not like he was really comfortable, but he could but he could understand like normal, everyday things like wanting to go out with your friends, wanting to go to a sleepover, wanting to go out and date, wanting to hang out late past nine o'clock in college. That's another story for another time. But most recently I posted, cause you know, when I put out shows out, you know, I want people to listen. So I'll post the thing on my Instagram and I'll advertise the show, say who was on, what we're talking about, what questions, you know, we were discussing, etc. And <laughs> <laughs> the one that my, me and my mom were headed to uh, a thrift store sale and my mom turned towards me and she's like, Vanessa, what's, uh, what's, what's an open relationship? And I said, what? My body froze. I was like, what? I'm sorry, mommy, what? She was like, you talk about it. I mean, 
what is it? And so I was like, well, you know, I've explained to my mom. I said, it's an arrangement that I, that people have. <laughs> and they can, you know, choose to have sex with other people. They can engage with other people, but they have their own parameters, etc. You know, just breaking it down for her. And she was like, oh, my God, you posted it on your Facebook? And I said, yeah, why? I want people to listen to my show. And she said, well, how do you know people don't think you don't have that type of relationship? I said, well, I, I've made it very clear that I don't, but if you're asking if I support people being in open relationships and open marriages, hell yeah, I do. I suggested it for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so that you know of. And she was like, but it, again, such an outer, when I tell you, like I was looking at myself driving, like I was having an outer body experience that my mother was proposing this question, felt comfortable enough to ask this question and for us to be talking about it and actually like having a discussion like, mommy, would you do something like that? Or why do you think people would do this? <laughs> and why do you think these things exist? Why, why isn't it a good idea? Why is it a good idea? And just really us going back and forth with the pros and cons was, it was interesting. I mean, I just couldn't believe it was happening. And I don't know what I attribute that to. I don't know if it's because my parents have accepted, like, this is what our daughter does. So no matter what, like, which is fine. Like, she's not going to be shy about it. I guess there's nothing, you know, to be shy about. Is it, could it be I'm an adult now? Because I feel like Haitian people are so, so into, like, this is Grumun, older people. This is Timun stuff. Like, that's separate. And so now that they see I'm an, I'm a married woman, I'm an adult and I'm forthcoming that, you know, they feel open and comfortable. I don't know what it is, but it's interesting. I'm still navigating it. I'm glad that I'm, I mean, I am glad. I'm glad that we're finally in a space where we can start having some conversations. I don't have to like hide birth control and talking about birth control. Like my mother knows now why I'm not getting pregnant. <laughs> she, you know, she's, she's always like, if you stop taking the pills, the gren, then you can start, um, having a, you know, having a family and stuff. And, you know, but before like growing, it's like if I was a teenager and taking birth control pills, there was no freaking way that we were going to be able to have any type of discussion. And I mean, it depends. My mother knows her children. It could have happened with my sister. It did happen with my sister. Like, my mom knew my younger sister was taking birth control as a teen, but I there was no way. Like, me and my mother, like, I was not, I didn't have my sister's rebelliousness. I was very, like, I'm trying to follow the rules. Um, if I did anything, I snuck out. Like, but I wasn't, like, my sister would be like, I'll, I'll sneak out to go to a party in college because I was a commuter. Uh, for my first two years, and my sister would just walk out the front door in your face, like, I'm leaving, I'm gone, say something about it. So, I don't know. I think it's an, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting, um, it's always interesting when it comes to identities, and when it comes to growing up a certain way, and I, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm still, I'm still learning and I'm kind of looking forward to what's next. Like what else would my mother like to talk about? My father's definitely not going to talk about these things. Like he'll say, you, you like talking about VJGs. <laughs> 
And that's always his, like, call response. Like, here you go with that shenanigans. But I'm always, but he's like, as long as you're making your money, I guess, go for it. Do what you got to do. And, and it's funny because my parents will defend my work in front of other people. Like, they act like they don't understand, like, what I do for a living. They act like they don't understand the importance of sexual health education when it's with me. But then let somebody say, Vanessa, what do you do? Oh, it's not just what you think. That's what my mom said last time. I heard her say in front of somebody, and I was very shocked. Oh, she's helping people understand everything about themselves. Everything. They had to speak to their children about their bodies. This is so important. So it's, 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 it's just... It's interesting because I remember when I started going on this track, my mother didn't know what the hell was going on. She was scared. She was like, why would you want to talk about this stuff? Like, who wants to talk about that? And now it's just a very different uh, conversation. And again, also my mom is getting older. Both of my parents are getting older. So it could just be hindsight, 2020, et cetera. Um, when I think about some of the questions that I asked to the folks that were... Um, that submitted stories, something that pops out to me and something that I am constantly thinking through is I asked them, what did you have to unlearn and relearn? And I think for me, the thing that I have unlearned and that I, um, that I've worked through is the sh- is, is shame, but then it was also it's also that I feel like growing up, my mother always made it seem between made made this made this shift between like who the good girls are, who the bad girls are, what do the girl good girls do versus the bad girls. Good girls got married. Good girls learn how to cook. They clean, which I think is very inherently cultural to us. Um, but it was it also translated in clothes. It translated in you see how that girl is dressed with those hoop earrings, those grown woman earrings, those big earrings, and her dress. That woman's not gonna get married. That woman doesn't deserve to be respected. That woman is asking for X with X actions or X dress or X this. And so in in turn and in college. And I think all just growing up all through high school, I had this subconscious that also became very conscious way that I was looking at other women and how I was judging other people's actions. And, oh, you can't possibly think that you're going to get respect by dressing like that. Or you can't possibly think that you're going to blah, blah, blah. And why are you so up about your appearance? Blah. And all of the shit that we hear all the time, that massage noir, that ridiculous that shameful ass shit that comes out and that was me and I definitely unlearned all of those scripts because when you really learn about it and when you really think about it it is it is that inherent misogyny it's that subconscious misogyny that permeates and your clothes have nothing to do you know like we know this I've talk about this all the time. I learned, I had to unlearn this whole taking care of someone. It never was, I mean, I'm, I've, I've, it's only applies to now in my adult life, but that part never really stuck. I just had to keep, keep remembering that my, what my aunts were saying who are older, 
was always ridiculous. So my aunts would always say, and still say, what happens if your husband is hungry? What happens if your husband comes home after a long day and you're already in bed? What happens if your husband wants to have sex and you're tired? And their answer to all of that was, you're going to get up and clean for him. You're going to get up and cook for him. You're going to always make sure there's a hot meal. All of that really old, (laughs) all that really old thinking, all of that, you got to turn around and do whatever he wants and have sex whenever he wants. And I've honestly, in the last, I think in the last eight years, eight to 10 years, I've had to educate my aunts and be like, no, no, uh -uh, we don't do it like that. Like you can say no. You don't have to clean anybody's drawers. Like, mm-mm. You do that. Did you did you eat did you eat from that plate? Well, they're gonna clean up that plate. And if I want to clean up that plate, it's because I want to. It is not my it is not my job. They're unlearning. Um, and they know not to mess with me when it comes that, to that stuff. Because whenever my husband comes around, my aunt gives me the eye like, you just gonna let him get up and get his own fork? Yeah. Um, cause I'm eating right now. I'm, I'm eating right now in this moment. You want me to, okay, girl. So I think some of those themes around just, you know, a lot of like massage noir, a lot of the patriarchy stuff, just, it permeates in and it's so ingrained. And I think that's some of the stuff that I've had to unlearn. I think, um, Again, embracing and things I've said throughout the show, embracing my body, embracing, embracing, you know, having these conversations, embracing being a sexual person, embracing being comfortable when it comes to talking about sex um, and embracing talking about sex in this context specifically. I know whenever there were, I know whenever we have conversations like this, it's not always easy, but we got to have them. We got to have them. And we got, we got songs out here. We got Guyad. We got all of these sexual innuendos in our culture. Um, like, yo, these are, these are sexual innuendos. So to act like we got groaning and moaning on the songs, like, come on, we can't act like being Haitian and being sexual does is not, there's no, there's no crossroads there. And I implore us to keep having this conversation, of course. I implore us to keep thinking through it because it's interesting. It's interesting. We're getting it together. So I want you to take a moment, take a listen, listen to a few stories. Let me know what you think. You can send me what you think at vagisteam at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Instagram at vagisteam. You can hit me up on Facebook at Vagisteam, Twitter. You can DM me. You can even text me at 443-692-7802. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what you think and enjoy. Special shout outs to Tali, Rod, Christina, Monique, and Tina for sharing your stories on this episode. I really appreciate you having this courageous conversation with me as well as everyone else. And I just appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Also for the listeners, there's different levels of sound quality out here. So just listen to the story. You'll like it. I promise. My name is Tali. So I grew up in a very Christian Haitian household. 
Um, my father was a preacher or is a preacher. Um, he's not a pastor, but he's a brother with a gift for preaching. So he preaches often, most Sundays. And my mom as well, very involved with the church and preached sometimes too. So um, you know how it goes. My parents are actually really open-minded relatively for Protestant Haitian parents, but um, still the basic things you can expect for a girl who grew up in a Baptist Haitian home were true for me. So the basic messages I received about sex were, don't do it. Um, how that affected me in the long run is that I think sex is something, my sexuality is something that I came to discover later on in life, in my adulthood. And I don't think that's a negative thing. I'm I'm actually okay <laughs> with that. Uh, you learn about healthy sex. Um, I think I'm still trying to learn about healthy relationships. I can't say I'm surrounded by them, and I wish I could say the opposite. But even the ones I grew up respecting, as I grow older and I become more mature and more wise, I realize the toxicity we normalize in Haitian families and our relationships. And none of that stuff is healthy. So I think I wasn't taught about healthy relationships, basically, because you can't teach what you, what you don't know. Who's going to teach that to me? Um, I think I would have appreciated more honesty. Um, I would have appreciated clear messages on what is and isn't okay. I do remember my parents sitting me down to talk about rape and they simply said, some people are rapists, so don't be careful. So be careful. But they never really said what rape was. And I do remember this conversation very clearly. I remember sitting there. I remember them gathering me and my brothers and sisters to talk about rapists. And I did not know what the word rape meant. And I remember looking at my brothers and sisters' faces and realized they all understood, so I was too scared to ask. Um, and I think it's indicative of a larger issue. Like, it wasn't just one incident of me not understanding. How are you going to caution me against rapists but not be clear about what is and isn't okay? You know, I don't think I was taught about boundaries. Um, and I think honesty less hypocrisy because how are you going to caution me against people who want to take advantage of me and yet tolerate the abusers in our surroundings how am I to know what isn't okay if we're not actually condemning them and that's just a long running problem in Haitian society no crime is too large no sexual offense is depraved enough for you to be called out for you to actually suffer some consequences people will continue to befriend you You'll still be allowed to hold positions of authority. You'll still be given a platform to teach other adults, to teach children. And I think with those blurred lines, I, I came into adulthood having to learn them for myself, having to learn them in intimate, relation, intimate situations when it was a bit too late. Um, The only things I recall really being condemned were how short and tight my skirts were. I remember, um, so my mom and dad were, like I said, are relatively open-minded. They let me wear what I want. And I remember the sisters at, at church telling me that I'd be raped one day, telling me, you know, that, you know, things were going to happen to me because of the way I dressed. And, and those were the messages I received about sex. 
Yeah. And so I've, I've had to unlearn a lot of shame. I've had to unlearn, like, that sex isn't something that happens to me. That's something that two people do together. And um, I think in the long run, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm blaming my parents for a lot of things. My parents did the best they could with what they knew. Um, and I can pick up from where they left off, which I think wasn't a very good place to leave off, but I'm an adult now. One thing I do wonder about in regards to sexuality as a Haitian American, this is in Haiti, where do people have sex? <laughs> There's always so many people in our houses, like people milling about, coming in and out. There's always 10 people in the living room. Your aunt is here. These people are washing the, the, the dishes in the laku. This neighbor is coming over for some food. It's just, there is no privacy in Haiti. And I always wonder, like, not just to be funny, I just wonder, like, how are we supposed to develop healthy sex lives or to discover ourselves, our sexualities? I grew up in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince. And like I said, like, I came into myself in adulthood. And it's just, there aren't a lot of spaces that allow for the privacy needed for you to just discover yourself, for you to discover another person in a healthy setting, you know? So I, I always wonder that, like, how do how does a place with so little privacy, with no boundaries really between us, maybe it's impossible to develop sexuality healthy in a Haitian context? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so my name is Tina. Um, so growing up Haitian, we did not have a sex talk. The only things that we knew about sex was not to have it. And also do not talk to boys. Do not think about boys. Boys were no good. We were allowed to have sex and get married after we finished school. School being college and we had our degrees and we had a good job. But since I'm a brat, I did not listen. So around 15, I became sexually active, but out of curiosity. I wanted to know why my parents made it sound so scary and why TV made it sound so good. It was neither of those things, honestly. It was quite anticlimactic and boring. But at least I did it, and then I got it, like, over with. That's basically why I had sex, is to get it over with, because I wanted to know what the big deal was about. So, I mean, would it be nice to have had, like, a closer relationship with my parents and be able to talk about those things? Yes, but I was very good about getting my own information. And luckily, though... In my high school, we had a really good sex education program, which they, you know, taught you about sex or whatever. But we also had the nursing office, which provided us with free condoms and free birth control. So I always took advantage of that because I wasn't trying to be no teen mom because who has time? So that was that. Um, I do wish we were more open and they didn't make everything sound so scary because I think maybe if didn't sound so scary I probably wouldn't be active so early on um but you know it is what it is and I hope she knows that I have sex now since I have a baby but you know you never know with these Haitians hi my name is Lourdes Joseph I'm a certified nurse midwife that lives in Georgia and I am Haitian American so 
I wanted to just quickly answer a few of these questions, which I thought were amazing. So some of the messages that I received when I was younger was that, one, sex is something that requires a lot of responsibility. And as a Haitian American girl, woman, it was that I would, the assumption was that I would only share myself once with someone. And I put sharing um, as a big thing versus just having sex. So it was very much, you know, that virginity was something to be um, held onto and very proud of. And um, it was really, I really received conflicted messages because at one point I'd hear that, but then after I went to college, you know, my parents would be talking to me about condoms, and then they would talk to my brothers about condoms, but talk to me about remaining a virgin. So it was like, wait, hold on, boys are having sex, but with who? And women are having sex, and this is all under the assumption that we're talking about, which my parents definitely were, cisgender, heterosexual relationships. So um, there was just some of that, that staying a virgin was something to be so proud of. Now, the one thing I have to say that I actually still remember to this day vividly, when I got my period, I missed the fifth grade jump-a-thon in school, and I had no idea what was going on. I went to a school nurse. I was throwing up. It was really bad, and I could not participate in the jump-a-thon. I get home, I'm looking at my underwear, and I'm like, this is weird. So I show it to my mom, because no one had talked to me about this before. And my mom is like, you're a woman, congratulations. And she starts crying, she tells other people, I'm like, well, what is going on? I feel like crap. And the next day, she buys me flowers. We go in the sanitary napkin aisle, pads, and as a Haitian, she was like, do not wear tampons, the things are bad, you know, making connotations towards your, you know, sexuality, promiscuity even. I was like, huh? So, but it was really nice to have like that celebration to the point where even my dad, he'd be like, you're on your period, what, what do you need me to buy? And he'd go to the store and, you know, also buy me to, um, period, um, sanitary napkins, and, you know, I remember when he'd be hanging out with the guys, he'd be like, you know, she's a woman now, and I was like, oh, why are you telling people, oh, <laughs> but it was very much something that was celebrated, and as the only girl, it was very nice to have that, like, you know, uh, celebration, uh, as I had my first period. So I do remember that message being like, this is something very beautiful, but I had no idea of the weight that came with that. Um, I think um, some of the messages that I received, you know, without a doubt, were it was that men were allowed to be macho and go after pleasure, and women were supposed to be submissive and not show any pleasure. Like a woman, I have a family member, who talks about sex and is like, sex with X, Y, and Z was not good. Why should I stay with them? And people are like, well, you're too loose. But the idea of a woman having and experiencing pleasure 
is quite radical, especially in my conservative religious family. It was that, you know, you get pregnant to have kids or you get pregnant because the man is like, well, you know, he wants them. So you have to have sex with him, you know, or else he'll leave you. So I do remember that. So that was something I had to unlearn when I got into, into long-term relationships with um, men, that it was something very much that sex has to be two ways. It can't just be for the other person's benefit at all times. Um, and I'm not talking about the times where your partner is like corny as heck and you're like, okay, maybe I could starfish out here. I'm talking about like really understanding that like, actually, I am an active willing participant in this relationship and I can say no if I want to. Um, I had to relearn going after pleasure, pleasure for myself, knowing my body, and really not depending on another person to define my pleasure. Um, I think some of the things I wonder about now, when you dance compa, when you dance zook, it is such, there's so much uh, sensuality at times and positive experiences are shared with some people. I wonder why, you know, being macho and submissive, why that can't extend into other parts of our culture, such as sex, such as, you know, intimate relationship with our partner. That softness and tenderness, sometimes I wish was also extended into other parts of our lives. And I do think what's missing is the idea that everyone can experience pleasure um, and not just pleasure is received through the orgasm of the male, but that pleasure is received from both people, you know, whether they have orgasm or not, et cetera. But there are many ways to experience pleasure. And I wish that that was like communicated. And I think that is very much missing, like really, really missing. Um, and now how I get in touch with, um, my sensuality and just knowing myself is exploring. I explore, I read, I'm, you know, open to try things at least once. I definitely know my hard stops. Things are like, I don't gotta do that again. I don't gotta try it. I know I don't like it. But I'm willing to explore. And I think really for me, the radical uh, part of myself, an acknowledgement to say, you know what, I'm going to explore, I'm going to be sex positive, and I am going to put myself first. I'm not going to be um, submissive. I'm not going to just say, okay, as long as you're okay, that's fine. Like that, 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 that won't work. <laughs> but again, that's for me. So I think now, it's really exploring and not putting any limitations around what I want, what I feel, what I need, and what I want. My name is Christina. Christy Poop. Um, that's what people call me. Anyways, um, growing up in a Haitian household, uh, learning about sex. As a child, it wasn't talked about. You shouldn't even mention it as a child. Like... It was frowned upon. <laughs> I'm talking about like, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. You're curious about it. My mom came here 
when she was 13, but was raised by old-fashioned Haitian parents. So I think she kind of stuck with that. Um, as I got older, like 10, 10 years old, she was making up stories like, how does, you know, how do you get pregnant? You eat too much, she told me. But anyways, but like I said, it wasn't, you couldn't really discuss it as a child. Um, and so as when I got older, as a teen, you know, I didn't, I learned it in health education, which I had to beg my mom to sign the paper because, like, what do you need to learn about sex work in, at this age, you know? And um, I'm like, well, it's about education about it. So she was just like, whatever, she signed it. So um, that's how I learned about the anatomy of, you know, our bodies um, and how sex works. But, you know, that that's just mechanical because you're in school they're just teaching you you know this and they know nothing is there's no in between it's all black and white you know no gray area so um so i just learned about the anatomy and that you know that was it and couldn't go home and discuss it well mom what is this you know because it was a still i'm teenager frowned upon can't talk about it and it was funny because as i got older and i'm like um talking about it with her if she does happen to talk about it, she whispers, like, and I'm like, Mom, why are you whispering? And and she's like, I don't know. She's like, so I guess it's just how I was raised. I don't know, talking about sex and all this. And she would always whisper every time we talked about penis or dick or vagina or pussy. It was always whispering, whispering. It was just weird. But, um, and I never really got to understand the relationship in sex like I started having sex at an early age maybe as well early to me these days <laughs> um 18 19 and really didn't understand you know the meaning of what was going on I know the the routine but I didn't really know what the meaning was or how you're supposed to feel or you know what does this mean when you a man comes or when you come it was just weird because I I really didn't get that at home, or if I if I did get the information with people on the street, or you know, school ski, uh, kids from school. So yeah, that that kind of you know stuck. But um, so I didn't really get to get a uh, um, learn about a healthy love sex relationship until now, which in my my mid twenties, late twenties, early thirties, I would have to say my early thirties. Well, now I'm thirty one that I'm really getting a grip on what healthy love is, a healthy sexual relationship is, um, and I feel like it has to do with not knowing, you know, about it as a, as a child, as a teenager, not getting the right information, not having somebody who was experiencing that or who's, you know, been there, and you could explain to me how this works, you know, because, like I said, it's, it was frowned upon as as old-fashioned Haitian parents are not supposed to talk to about their their child about this, which is uh, like a stigma. Oh, well, yeah, there we go, a stigma, and I, I feel like it's, it's wrong. You know, I'm not going to do that with my child, you know, I'm going to open up. So it's crazy, but um, now as an adult, I am very in tune with my sexuality. Like I said, I've, I've learned a lot of things, and now I've matured, and I'm, I know you know, what the benefits, what what to do, and how to benefit from having a sexual relationship, and 
being in love or not being in love or you know just the chemistry so I mean now it's it's now you know as an adult and I, I feel like you know everybody learns at a different age but I mean now it's just to me I'm having fun I'm, I'm into it and now that I'm older and I have a child now my mom is like she's coming around and she will just she we, we can talk about it openly and freely it's no longer whispering or it's you know you can't talk about it now she's opening up and she's talking we're talking about it and then I'm, I, I I don't want to act like it's too late because I like you know that she's open and we can talk about it you know as as a, as adults and stuff like that and I can come to her you know I don't per se I don't you know go and tell her about my sexual relationships with guys or you know <laughs> no not, nothing like that but you know we we can talk you know about things that are going on in the world and this is about women and men and you know, all that, and I'm, I'm happy about it, but, um, like I said, I, I wish, you know, we could have had that way back when, but, you know, now it's fine, too, um, and I feel like it's not her fault, either, that she wasn't, because her, she herself went through that same situation, where she was real by, like, old, old-fashioned Haitian, where, like, you don't, like, you don't even, mention it like to their parents and they knew better not to mention it to their parents so she made same she made some mistakes you know through her life because she wasn't really taught she had to learn it on the streets from her friends and so I mean it's a cycle and I feel like living here in America I don't know I haven't li- I never lived in Haiti but living here in America you not it's just you it's something that you need to discuss Haitian American Trinidadian Jamaican it shouldn't be a stigma um, because of this, the cultural, cultural um, thing anyway. But um, p- patient parents now, it's good that, you know, you open up, you talk to your, your kids because it's, it's not getting better. It's getting worse and kids are just out here doing whatever. And they can do out here do whatever, but at least be educated about it. So like I said, I wasn't educated, but... Um, that's, yeah, my experience um, of growing up in a Haitian household and learning about, or not learning about sex until I was in my teenage years and not learning the right way until I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Shaka 